0: Welcome to Humankind. Today's episode will be a little different from the ones that I've done before. It's a little bit more informational. Uh, today I'll be exploring different economic theories. I really wanted to do an episode on capitalism and then decided to talk about other theories as well to lengthen it up a bit. And I had a bit of a time trying to figure out like how I could connect this to societal issues. But consider this. If you believe that money runs the world, like I do, then it only makes sense that some of the world's issues are caused by it too. Also the way that we make it and use it and distribute it is a part of that as well. The three economic theories that I'll be talking about are Capitalism as it is the theory used in most of the world, Communism as it has the most stark difference to the prior, and Socialism. So let's get started. Okay, let's start with capitalism. So capitalism, if you don't know, is an economic theory where the government does not have control over companies and people and their profit. Production and business is mostly or entirely owned privately by companies or individuals. The original capitalism was called laissez-faire, and it meant that the government had no control over profit of companies. So, how people run their companies, pay their employees, distribute the wealth, etc., it's all run without government interference. There's a few issues with that. Um, just listing a few of them it can cause market failure, inequality, environmental issues, materialism and greed, and boom and bust economic cycles. And all of these issues have effects on society and how people interact. Now, the one that will probably make the least amount of people mad um, is boom and bust cycles. So because of the investments and the purchases of bonds and shares, a boom can be created, which is then enhanced because more people are confident in the market and they're making more exuberant purchases. And that quickly turns to a bust when market sentiment changes. This bust can cause unemployment and recessions. And I think one that we all know about is the one that happened in the 1930s. Um, which was very devastating and very long, and it caused a lot of problems. So much so that we still talk about it today, 90 years later. The second one is greed and materialism. Greed and materialism is a common byproduct of capitalism. Capitalism rewards the wealthy and does the opposite for the poor. In this society, the rich who benefit from capitalism can pay to get around pre-existing systems, So they sort of already have like a leg up over everybody else in society. Capitalism creates an aura of competitiveness and a want for more. It instills in people that money and possessions are the goals of life, and that's just not true. In terms of inequality, the wealth made from capitalism is often held by a small percent of the population. And in this capitalistic society, half of the wealth in the world belongs to 1% of the population. 1% 1% of the population holds half of the money on earth. There's also an inequality and in opportunity, as many wealthy people leave their money for their children, which provides better education and certain privileges that help them in life. Capitalists can also afford to purchase assets like property and shares, which creates the wealth multiplier effect because of interest, which builds over time. This leaves those without wealth behind, and they may see house prices increase faster than inflation. Like, that's just one example of what can happen. Now, the issue with this issue is that I can hear the argument now. Good for them. They're being smart with their investments. They were very lucky to have such a large inheritance. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy, but only if you think money is everything, and only if you think that no I, would act, no, I won't go there. I won't call anyone out. Um, moving on. <laughs> monopoly and monopsony. That's a big one. Um, a monopoly is when one person provides a certain good or service and they are the only person providing it. So let's say there is one provider of all the bottled water in Canada. And anytime somebody tries to um, start their own new brand of bottled water, this company, the monopoly buys them out so that they are the only one providing it. The problem with that is that because they are the only source, they can charge unreasonable prices, but still rely on people buying it because it is a necessity. Not bottled water, but, you know, monopolies that provide necessities. Uh, Monopsony is having control over certain factors of production. An example of this is hiring people, and then paying them lower wages in order to make a larger profit that the employees do not share in. Do I even have to explain the problem there? So there are also clear environmental issues caused by just the nature of capitalism. Because of little regulations for production and resources, and how people get their resources, products can be overproduced and overconsumed and cause pollution and waste and fumes from the fuels required to make them, which lead to things like climate change. And also just expanding on the resources part, if there's something that they need, and they being capitalists, or people who are in charge of production need, and there's no government interference stopping them from getting it, and the demand is so high, soon enough that resource is gone, and you have deforestation and the extinction of species, just as an example. Now for the polar opposite of capitalism, communism. The idea behind communism is that everyone has exactly what they need. Property is publicly owned. People are not driven by personal want and gain. They help each other and care for one another. And nobody has more than their neighbor. Communism was created by Karl Marx, and he and an associate wrote and published the Communist Manifesto, which outlines 10 things. Number one is the abolition of private property. The land is owned by everyone rather than just one person as a way to provide housing for everyone. A second thing is the confiscation of land of emigrants and rebels. So people who want to leave the country or who have left the country or people who disagree with what the country's government is trying to do, we're saying. Now I understand this to be a sort of punishment for those who hoard and disagree with the government's ideals. And this is one of my problems with communism. This clause within the document implies people can't disagree with their government, and I think that freedom of thought is fundamental to humanity. In terms of land though, as it states here, it would be illegal to hoard it, so the confiscation of it is makes sense. However, it's the specification of rebels and those who leave the country that causes some issues for me. People should be able to have their own opinions. Number three is income taxes. Um, the difference being that the rich are taxed more than the poor so that wealth can be distributed evenly, which speaks to the core of communism, that nobody has more than their neighbor. The fourth is inheritance rights being abolished, so people cannot pass their money down to their children, to even the playing field for opportunity for all children, all young people, all, everybody starting out in the world, in, a, in the economy. Five is the gradual abolition of distinction between town and country. Six states that there will be equal responsibility for all involved in labor and industrialization. The boss does not have all of the power. I see both good and bad here. Good being that wages are determined by workers, not an employer who may be intending to exploit employees. The bad being that no one's in charge. Um... There needs to be leadership, and this gets rid of that. The boss is the leader, and leaders keep things on track. Number seven is free education. Who doesn't want an educated population, right? And eight specifies that the state controls transportation and communication and the market. So, like, prices are determined by the state, not by supply and demand. And this can really mess up the whole everyone gets what they need thing. Well... Also ensuring it, oddly enough. Nine states that factories and means of production would use wastelands and improve soil, which would maintain the government, uh, sorry, no, the environment, and be a greener system. And ten is pretty basic. The state controls all the money. Now there are things that I both like and dislike about communism. I believe that everyone should have a house, and a family, and food, and the basic things that we need to survive. My first episode was all about that. And communism provides a way to ensure that. But it's the money part that bothers me. I don't think that 1% of the world should have half the money. I do agree that everyone should have the money that they need, and there should be no poverty. But the issue is that governments with total control don't tend to work. Money is kind of everything, thanks to capitalism, and governments with everything, with all of the power, with so much control over their people, doesn't sound like a very good system to me. Another thing is that people like their freedom, and this system sort of takes away a bit of what people consider to be freedom. The freedom to make and use and y- and use their own money as they wish. Which is sort of a capitalistic idea, um, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's the implication that's there in a lot of the clauses within the communist manifesto that individuality and just a bit of like little things that sort of create culture. Like um the difference between living in a city and living in a town. I live in a small town. That's a part of who I am. It shapes a little bit of me. If I lived in a city, I would have a little bit of a different personality, I think. So There's little things within the manifesto that strips away or diminishes the amount of individuality that we have as humans. And now we will wrap things up with socialism. So socialism is a system in which all people own the means of production. Socialism is based on the idea that people are naturally cooperative. But because of capitalism, which forces people to be competitive... This cooperation has not like fully bloomed yet. So these are the key points of socialism. 1. Economic output is shared equally among the people. So the money is equitably distributed. 2. It values the well-being of the community rather than individuals. So cooperation and caring and helping your neighbor. 3. The government distributes the resources which gives it greater control over the people. So resources So in this one, it's not just like food and water. It's um, no, sorry, not in this one. It's not just money that's equal, that is equally distributed. It's all resources, food, housing, water. And number four is that there are many different types. Eight to be exact, and we will be going over them. So what are the advantages of socialism? One, workers are not exploited since they own the system profit is equitably distributed based on people's contribution, which is different from communism where everyone gets what they need based on their needs. So if you so the more that you give to the system, the more that you get from it. It meets basic needs for those who cannot work. It provides equal access to education and health care. No one is discriminated against in this sense. So which is the idea. Uh, five, everyone works in a job that they enjoy. And if nobody wants a particular job that is necessary for society, compensation is higher. So low-paying jobs in our society, so janitorial services. um, The first one that comes to mind is window washing. Things like that that maybe don't pay as high as, you know, a surgeon or something like that would actually be the higher-paying jobs if nobody wanted them. Number six, Natural resources are preserved for the good of people and the environment. Sounds like a pretty nice system that just wants to take care of people and the planet, to me. But there are disadvantages as well. Some of the disadvantages are it relies on cooperation and willingness to work in order for it to function properly. But some people are naturally competitive and greedy. There's no clause that addresses this. Socialism just pretends that this problem doesn't really exist. So... That's just like a recipe for disaster and uprising. People who don't, um, I don't know, meet the criteria of a person living in a socialistic society would not... The the system wouldn't work as well because of this. Um, There's a lack of innovation as entrepreneurs are not rewarded for their creativity. Some would be okay with that, I guess, but it's all about what you value. If you value the good of people above all else and have no drive for new and exciting things, like no ambition really, then it's not a big deal for you. But if creativity and adventure are more your thing, this would leave you feeling useless like there's no point. Like your place in society isn't really, I don't know, valued. There isn't a place for you to fit into. And the government has a lot of power over the people and the people in charge can abuse this power. Communism and socialism are really similar, and they have the same core issue, which is power balance, that results in a worse power imbalance. There are five communist countries today, and it's not going well. There was a whole war in Vietnam that lasted decades because of this. The eight types of socialism all have core similarities, but little differences that improve upon or, in some people's opinion, um, may worsen the idea. Number one is democratic socialism, which means that the government is elected and people can vote on planning and means of transit and such. This could better the power issue. But I think we all know the ways power corrupts. Absolutely, I believe is how it goes. Two is revolutionary socialism, which is the idea that socialism will only emerge once capitalism is overthrown. Perhaps. Maybe if capitalism didn't exist, the greed and competitiveness wouldn't exist either, and socialism would work just fine. But I don't think we'll ever find out. Three is libertarian socialism, which believes that people naturally want socialism and the system will run itself as a byproduct once capitalism is abolished, which I have a hard time distinguishing from the prior. Four is market socialism. Workers determine the distribution of wealth and whether or not to sell on the free market. So the people who are working and um, producing products have more say over where it goes and how it's all done. Green socialism uh, highly values the maintenance of natural resources, encourages locally sourced food, meeting basic needs rather than materialistic wants, and ensures a livable wage. Now, if we could take this, sprinkle in a little bit of individuality with capitalism, and design a government system that works, we'd be dandy. Six is Christian socialism, and it is based on the Brotherhood Teaching or the Brotherhood Teachings of the Bible. Seven is utopian socialism, which is more of a dream than a plan. Basically, it wants to achieve true equality, and it arose before industrialization. The idea was to achieve it through experimental societies, which did actually happen during the Industrial Revolution. I don't remember the name of him, but there was this guy who had two little societies that worked really well, actually. But the idea was that if you were to try it on a larger scale, it would become more problematic and harder to control. Eight is Fabian Socialism. It is a gradual change to socialism through elections, law changes, and other peaceful means. Maybe mix this with some green socialism and a revamped government and give her a shot. So what's the takeaway? None of it works. Um, <laughs> everything has its own little issue and everything has its own little benefits, but I don't know if... I don't know if a perfect economic theory of, fr- of which to run the world by could fit everybody's different personalities and different needs and different wants and different ideas and values and all that stuff. I don't really have a good news section for this episode. It really was just supposed to be informational and thought-provoking. A little off-brand for this podcast, but oh well. Um, <laughs> I hope you learned something or considered some new ideas and I hope you'll come back one last time next week for my final catch-all episode. Until next time, may you live your life with open eyes and empathetic heart for all of humanity, for all of humankind.